Hey guys, it's Dr. Childs. Today I want to talk about PCOS and hair loss and how to stop and prevent this from occurring if you have PCOS. Um, and we're going to do that by discussing um, hormone balance because that's really what I think it boils down to. There's, there's some other factors as well such as um, nutrients and such, but we'll be talking about all of these things. So if you are somebody who is suffering from PCOS and hair loss, this is definitely the information that um, this this information should be helpful to you. So let's let's jump in here um, right away, and we'll talk about what really causes hair loss in PCOS. And I I pose that as a question because um, there really isn't just one cause of hair loss it, it, among any individual. By the way, this this applies to everyone, but especially within PCOS. And um, if we put in the back of our head um, that hair loss is probably a symptom um, of some other issue, um, then we can start to figure out what is causing it. And we know, and hopefully you know, that PCOS is really a hormone or endocrine disorder, right? And so what that means is um, PCOS, the symptoms associated with PCOS, are manifestations of that hormone imbalance, and usually there's several of them. Uh, we're not going to get into those uh, for the purpose of um, this conversation, but it's helpful to have that sort of as a uh, basic understanding of what it is. So let's talk about some of the types of hair loss that uh, can occur um, among patients with PCOS. And just realize in the back of your head that you may have one or more of these. So it's not just like you have one or um, and then you don't have to worry about any others. You might have a combination of both of these things. And in that way, um, it can be very difficult to discern what is actually going on and uh, understanding the exact cause is important because that affects your treatment, obviously. So that's why we care. So the first one is female pattern hair loss, um, usually abbreviated um, FPHL. Okay, and this is a very, very, very standard um, sort of run-of-the-mill type of hair loss that that women get. And so it's so common, in fact, that up to about 40% of women will have some element of this type of hair loss by the time they reach 50. And the incidence only goes up from there. And so the incidence means the amount of people that have the issue. So, um, and what what may sound crazy is that we really don't know what causes this hair loss. Okay, and I say we like um, you know referring to the the general uh, scientific consensus. Um, researchers and so on, physicians, etc., um, dermatologists, uh, but we have some ideas, and so um, this is this type of hair loss falls into the androgenetic alopecia subgroup, um, and so it's it's part of that, um, and so it does appear that there's some sort of genetic component to this type of hair loss, um, in which there may be some sensitivities to the hair follicles and and so on and so forth, but we're not really sure. Um, but we what we do know is that there is an increased incidence of this type of hair loss among women who have PCOS, all right? And we'll talk about uh, some of the treatments a little bit, but I'm just giving you the general informa information here. So how do you know if you have FP FPHL? And so generally you can discern what type of um, uh, hair uh, loss issue you have based off of the distribution of hair loss that occurs on your head. And so I've included an image here. Um, which goes over exactly how this looks like. So this is grade one, grade two, grade three. There's actually grade four and grade five. I didn't feel the need to include those because they're just more severe than what you see on the right over here. So you can see it has a uh, characteristic Christmas tree-like pattern. So you can kind of see that you know these lines would be equivalent to the Christmas tree and so on. That's just sort of how people describe it. it doesn't exactly look like that, but you, hopefully you understand what I'm talking about here. Um, but anyway, generally what happens is it starts. You, you're, you're 
shedding some hair and then it gets worse and then your the uh, crown of your head starts to become more visible hair loss continues and it gets worse and worse and worse etc and we do know that estrogen probably plays a role in this type of hair loss simply because it tends to increase after menopause so if you understand what menopause is and that is essentially ovarian failure in which uh, progesterone and estrogen levels drop dramatically um, you can sort of make the connection that estrogen probably is playing some role in there as is I believe uh, or as are the androgens in your body so we're going to talk about that in just a minute here um, and so I think that androgens play a role in both the female pattern hair loss but also the male pattern hair loss which we're going to go over just in a second so again bottom line here is bottom line here is that women with PCOS have a high uh, uh, high risk of developing female pattern hair loss or androgenetic alopecia, but that's not the only thing that they can have, remember. So they can also get male pattern hair loss. Don't let this confuse you. Uh, it says male pattern simply because we have the pattern based off of most men, right? But, it, but this type of hair loss can still occur in women. Now this type of hair loss is felt to be secondary to excess DHT conversion from testosterone. And so essentially what happens is that testosterone becomes metabolized in your body and it can be metabolized and broken metabolized by the way means to be broken down in your body and so we when you have a, a compound in your body your your liver slices it up in order to get rid of it but the problem well it's not really a problem but it can be in some situations is when you cut up the testosterone molecule you create fragments that actually have um, some testosterone uh, potential in them and what I mean by that is they can uh, attached to certain cells and still stimulate um, the receptors on those cells and so one of these byproducts is called DHT and so if you take a testosterone you chop it up um, you create these little molecules called DHT and they happen to be here's the here's the kicker they happen to be a more potent androgen than actually testosterone is and so you can see the problem here now now the interesting thing is your body has a, a fork in terms of well, I shouldn't say a fork. Let's say a decision in terms of what type of testosterone it can it can make. Now, some women, and this is occurs in men also, because you know that's the name male pattern hair loss, tend to convert testosterone into DHT at a higher rate than others. That doesn't explain everything, but that may explain part of the reason why women get this um, this male pattern hair loss when they have PCOS, right? Because we know that PCOS, one of the hallmarks of this condition, is the elevation of androgens, which is really just a fancy word for saying testosterone and DHEA, those are those, uh, they, they um, have a similar cellular effect. Um, so we know PCOS has high amounts of these androgens. And if you are, if you're taking, a, if you have a lot of testosterone and, a, and a, a fair amount of it, a moderate to high amount is being converted to DHT, well, that may explain why some women with uh, PCOS develop this male pattern hair loss. And this can be distinguished from female pattern hair loss by how it looks okay and so you you all know what male pattern hair loss looks like because you've seen men with it basically it starts with the receding hairline and then you develop the bald spot you know at the at the top of the head and so women can develop that as well all right but that's again this is not so this is two of potentially four issues that can cause hair loss the the third is um, chronic telogen efflu effluvium and what this refers to is a diffuse loss of hair across the entire head Okay, so there's not really a pattern like the other ones, but it's a dramatic um, and substantial loss or shedding of hair that occurs all over the entire head. And um, this one tends to occur fairly rapidly, so generally what happens is some sort of inciting event occurs, um, the woman starts to shed hair like crazy, and then up to 50% of their total you know, volume or total mass of hair is gone in about a three-month time period, which is fairly traumatic, right? Um, especially for women 
uh, you know, hair is important uh, for from a cosmetic standpoint and so on. Um, and this is the cause of extreme anxiety. I've had I've had many patients come to me with this sort of issue, and you know they're obviously concerned about it, and I think as well they should be. Now, there's an acute telogen effluvium version, and that basically just means it, it comes and then it goes away. We're talking about the chronic, so what happens is you lose your hair, you shed about 50% of it, and you just it just doesn't really grow back. Um, you don't really have uh, any uh, increase in hair growth, and the hair just stays very sparse. So this can also happen to PCOS women, or women with PCOS. Then the last one, we won't talk about this one too much because it makes a lot of sense, is hormone-induced hair loss. So you know, hopefully you understand that all of your hormones, well, I shouldn't say all, but several of your hormones, especially thyroid hormone and the estrogen progesterone ratio can impact your hair. And so you know this intuitively if you think about it. So if you've ever been pregnant before, you know what happens to your hair. It usually grows thicker. And then when you um, have your baby and, you know, in the postpartum period, you start to have a lot of shedding and it starts to get thinner. And um, you'll notice when you're pregnant, estrogen um, tends to make the hair more shiny and thick and, and full. It can even change sort of the characteristics of it if it's wavy or curly and so on and so forth. And thyroid can do the same thing. And so it shouldn't be alarming to you to, to realize that any hormone imbalances can cause changes to your hair. Okay, so but here's where it can get confusing. As a woman with PCOS, you may have one or all of these, okay? And so that's why you have to understand them because generally hair loss is, how should I say, not taken as a very seriously a serious symptom when it when physicians are confronted with it. Um, and it, it makes sense because there's, you know, more potentially life-threatening issues that could, um, you know, take their time up. But it doesn't mean that it should be ignored because it's, it's a symptom that has, uh, an impact, and I would say a significant impact on the overall quality of life of, of the woman who's dealing with the issue. And I think even for men too. Um, I've had men come in that are really um, concerned about their hair loss and they'll do whatever it takes. So anyway, we'll, um, let's, let's keep moving on here. So I talked a lot about the androgens and the hair loss in PCOS. Um, basically what I wanted to point out here is that it's not necessarily important that you have high levels of uh, testosterone or DHEA to have hair loss. So we know that women can develop hair loss even with so-called normal testosterone and DHEA. Um, and so you have to do a couple things here. First of all, you need to break down the testosterone when you order it in your lab. So you want to look at your total and your free testosterone. Because what is happening in your body is that the free testosterone is available to be binding to your cells. So if you have a high amount of free testosterone, you may be flooding your hair follicles in a sense with test free and available testosterone, which then may cause the issue. So if that is causing hair loss in you, dropping that free testosterone is important. But there's one other thing that we need to think about, and that is it seems that from a genetic standpoint, certain individuals are just very sensitive to testosterone in general. And this is where I think you probably get um, the androgenetic um, hair loss component kind of coming in here. So if you are a woman who that I think, this is sort of the way that I characterize it in my head. Um, if you are a woman that has obviously, and PCOS by the way, PCOS woman. If you are a, PCOS, a woman with PCOS that has grossly elevated, and I just mean obviously elevated, free and total testosterone, and you're having hair loss, well, that's probably related to that testosterone. Um, and, and I would say you probably fall in that male pattern uh, sort of uh, hair loss uh, category. Now, if you are a woman that has hair loss, mo mostly in that um, the female pattern uh, distribution, then it's more likely a sensitivity of your hair follicle to any amount of testosterone. Um, and I think that that's probably what defines those two conditions, and I think also estrogen and progesterone play a role there, which is why I think it can be treated. But that's sort of the way that I think about it in my head. Um, 
And so in that way, it's possible, I guess the, the bottom line is here, in, because of this, it's, it's possible that women can still have hair loss despite having so-called normal, um, normal testosterone, uh, uh, and DHEA levels. Sorry about that. So anyway, let's get back to this. So, so what are you supposed to do, um, if you have this sort of hair loss? And let's jump into some of the treatments here. Now, before I talk about any of these specialty treatments, because I'm going to be talking about specifically ways to balance these hormones, you have to have, you need, before you go into some of these therapies, you need to be accounting for some of the, what I would call the basics, okay? So, and I, I pose a series of questions here that I want you to just think about, um, answer them internally. And if you haven't done these things, well, then you're probably going to get the biggest bang for your buck by doing these things first. Now, it doesn't mean you can't use some of the supplements and things like that that I'm going to discuss below, but it just means that you're probably not going to see the success you're looking for until you've managed these five things, okay? So let's go over there, go over these. Number one, are you managing your stress? If your stress is not being managed, managed, then um, whatever you do is going to be limited. The, the the benefits are going to be limited. So um, stress can cause hair loss. Absolutely, it's a very known trigger or very known trigger. It has to be dealt with. There are many ways that you can do that, but you need to be managing your stress, either avoiding it or taking something that increases your tolerance to stress um, and so on. The second question is, are you eating healthy and is your diet in order? If you're not sure how to do this, I have a resource here. Um, it's a, a diet guide for women's with, women with PCOS. We talk about some of the diets. You can see it all here. It's, it's pretty long and in-depth, so you can go to that if you'd like. The link is right here. Um, but again, diet has to be in order. Number three, are you reducing the amount of refined sugar that you eat? And I put specific emphasis on sugar um, because it has the greatest impact, uh, most likely, on insulin. And insulin is something that can cause, hey, uh, well, it just seems that women with PCOS are very sensitive to um, sugar and therefore insulin, which then causes high testosterone and high DHEA. So you have to be maintaining and uh, eliminating that sugar. Uh, number four, are you exercising? And specifically not over-exercising regularly. If you are not exercising, you need to be doing it. If you are somebody that's going to the gym, you know, for one to two hours per day, constant spin classes every single day, that's probably too much for your body. You might be causing more harm than good in that way. And paradoxically, the treatment for you might be to manage that and reduce the amount that you exercise. I know it sounds uh, strange, but there's many patients that I, I've treated many patients. We cut down the exercise. They actually do a lot better. And then number five, are you sleeping eight hours per night? That has to happen. Again, that can help manage your stress. It helps manage your hormones. Won't get into all these things. These are just the basics I, I say that you need to be doing. Just make sure that you're doing them before you before you kind of jump into these next things. Okay, so let's talk about the hormone imbalances and how they um, affect your hair. We already kind of know that they do, so we'll just talk about the main ones. And there's three main ones. So it's managing high testosterone and androgens. We know that that plays a role. Managing thyroid dysfunction. Um, there's an emerging uh, trend that's uh, between PCOS and Hashimoto's disease, which is a thyroid disease, that has to be managed if you have PCOS. And then number three is balancing estrogen and progesterone. So we're going to be talking about how to do those things. Now, if you are a woman with PCOS, there's a high probability you have imbalances in, in one, probably two, maybe three of these categories. So if you haven't, um, if you're unfamiliar with the way that I think PCOS should be a managed and approach, I'd recommend that you read some of my other, uh, some of the other posts that I have on this because it'll really sort of help, um, help you understand and, uh, how you want to be approaching PCOS. And this will all start to make sense once you, once you get there. So let's talk about managing high testosterone and androgens. So this would be women who have even normal, by the way, um, but 
they have the male pattern hair loss, which can occur. Um, so let's talk about that. So number one is focusing on weight loss. Uh, so losing weight will help balance these hormones probably more than anything else. Now I understand saying, ask or telling you just to lose weight is not, it's not necessarily an easy thing. I get that. But what I want to point out here is that there may, you may be in a situation where your excess weight is causing imbalances that are causing hair loss. And it's not like you can do anything to fix the hair loss until you lose the weight because that's just how it goes. So think about that in the back of your head. That doesn't mean to go on the HCG diet or anything like that or some crazy diet, but it does mean that you need to be thinking about weight loss. Again, I have lots of resources on how to lose weight if you have PCOS. In fact, I should have included a link here, but um, whatever. There, it is. I do have a a uh, blog post on that on my website that you can look at, um, which will help you with this one if you have issues with it. Second thing is to reduce or reverse insulin resistance if present. The reason for that is simple. Um, insulin resistance is one of the triggers of high testosterone and high androgen. And so we know, and you know, that insulin resistance and blood sugar play a very important and critical role in developing some of the symptoms of PCOS. So that's got to be treated. Um, you can do that with supplementation, dietary intervention, intermittent fasting, so on and so forth. Lots of ways to do it. Um, third is you can focus on using supplements. These are specific to testosterone and DHEA, by the way, such as saw palmetto and zinc. Now, what these do is they can help you reduce the conversion of um, the conversion of testosterone into DHT. And so if you are somebody that has uh, high free testosterone or anything like that, taking saw palmetto and zinc may be a benefit to you. And the way that it would help with your hair loss is because it would be reducing those androgens, which would then potentially reduce your hair loss. That's kind of how it works. So you can also consider the use of GLP-1 agonists, and these can be very effective with weight loss. I've got some links there that you can look at. The bottom line here is that women, there are some women with PCOS who just respond um, incredibly well to this this class of medications. Um, you know, just it, it, I won't talk more about it because I, I have other videos on it, but they just do very well. The next thing is you can focus on weight training to increase your muscle mass, which will again come back up to reducing your insulin resistance. So sp notice specifically I say weight training here. Um, I'm not necessarily talking about spin or high intensity interval training. I'm talking about building up lean muscle mass. This is the thing that you want to be doing um, because of its implications on your other hormones. So if you're not already, add that. Don't worry about bulking up or anything like that. The point here is to sensitize your body to insulin. Um, obviously reducing the consumption of carbohydrates and refined sugars, um, and then using all these things together with those lifestyle recommendations I already discussed above. Remember those five questions that we were asking. The, the other thing that you can do is you can consider the use of adrenal adaptogens and specifically what I'm talking about here is ashwagandha. And I say that because ashwagandha has been shown to help reduce DHEA levels um, and then also with testosterone. So that's something specific to uh, women with PCOS that can help with this sort of issue. So again, lots of stuff here. Each of these can have its own blog post. I realize that, but I just want to sort of give you this knowledge, this information that you have. Um, so you can have it. So the next thing is managing thyroid dysfunction. So again, um, this is another, I would say, probably, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's not well known, I would, uh, let's put it that way, not well known among women with PCOS that thyroid may be playing an important role in a lot of their symptoms, including weight gain and um, acne and especially hair loss. So there's a connection between these two conditions. And the connection is called well, it's something known as uh, bidirectional. And what that means is thyroid disease can lead to PCOS, 
but it also means that PCOS can lead to thyroid disease. So imagine like a, well, I don't know if, if you guys remember from chemistry, but there was these equations with arrows going back and forth. So the equation can go to the left or it can go to the right. Um, and that's the same way you want to think about thyroid disease and PCOS. So you, one can cause the other and the other can, can go right back and cause it as well. So Which is important because if you have PCOS for any number of time uh, or any length of time, that's going to ultimately increase your risk of developing thyroid disease somewhere down the line. And this is not something that I think many people are aware of or even necessarily looking for, um, which gives it a it, which means that it's very important because it might be something that you have missed right in your treatment. And so this is why I really want to um, spend a little bit of time talking about it. So make sure if this is unfamiliar to you, uh, you can read some of the, the studies that I wrote or you can read some of my uh, blog posts that go over this. But essentially what you want to do if you have thyroid disease is increase your T3. If you increase your T3, then you will do a lot in terms of thyroid function in the body and that will probably be the biggest and most effective thing that you can do to reverse the hair loss um, if it's caused from thyroid disease which could be caused from PCOS. So again focus on therapies which improve your total and free T3. I've got some information on how to do that here. Um, supplementation uh, can be effective for improving thyroid especially using combinations of zinc, selenium, and iodine. So I have um, some recommendations for supplements which can do that. If you haven't already and you're not sure if there's a connection between your PCOS and, and thyroid disease, definitely uh, learn and understand more about what a complete thyroid lab panel looks like. Um, if you understand what this panel looks like, then you can you know, firsthand determine if you have thyroid disease or not. And then the other thing you really want to make sure you do, and this is going to sound crazy, but even when doctors do check your thyroid, they may not actually be checking to see if you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune disease of the thyroid gland. And this is important because PCOS tends to cause Hashimoto's. So what your doctor might do or could do is you go in and you say, hey, I've got PCOS. I want to be checked for thyroid. So they order uh, the TSH and they say, no, your thyroid's fine. But they missed the diagnosis because they never actually ordered the, the antibody levels. So you have to make sure you're ordering the uh, anti-TPO uh, antibodies and thyroglobulin antibodies as, so because that's the way that you can diagnose the um, Hashimoto's. Okay, so that's thyroid sort of in a nutshell. The third sort of uh, set of hormones that you want to be considered balancing would be estrogen and progesterone. And much like testosterone, pretty much every woman with PCOS is going to have some issue with this ratio of estrogen to progesterone. And so usually what happens is you have high estrogen and you usually have low progesterone. And this uh, uh, split between the two, the, the wider the gap is, the, the more uh, robust your symptoms are. Okay, And so you, you want to be looking at that. So generally, like I said, you can focus on certain things with the goal and the intent of reducing estrogen and increasing progesterone. So hopefully that's making sense. One of the first things that you can do is increase your consumption of brassica vegetables. And these naturally help regulate and metabolize estrogen in your body. They contain something called DIM and indole-3-carbonyl. Now what you can do though is you can also consider supplementing with those things. So if you consume brassica vegetables, there's some natural amount of DIM and indole-3-carbonyl, well, or indole-3-carbonyl and then it gets broken down into DIM, but whatever. That's not really necessary for this, this conversation, but you can, you can naturally get those ingredients through these brassica vegetables, but I tend to find better success when you also supplement with these sort of things. So DIM, indole-3-carbonyl, and then calcium deglucarate, these can all help estrogen metabolism. So with the goal of driving estrogen down, getting the, the potent estrogens out of your body, and normalizing and regulating that ratio. The other thing that you can do is consider the use of bioidentical progesterone. 
Um, again, I've got a lot of information on how to do that. Um, another effective tool is actually losing weight. So losing weight can help reduce estrogen. The more fat cells you have in your body, uh, the more effective your body is at converting androgens into testosterone or um, into estrogen. So imagine a scenario in which you are a woman with PCOS. Let's say you're 20 or 30 pounds overweight. Um, you have high androgens um, and you have high estrogen. So what your body is going to be doing is with that extra weight, uh, the extra fat cells you have, it's going to be taking the excess androgens you have and converting it into even more estrogen. So you have this very vicious cycle that can occur in women with PCOS in that way. Um, obviously, avoid exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals, which can stimulate these estrogen receptors and cause a lot of issues. Um, avoiding birth control medications and synthetic progesterone um, is also helpful. Uh, these can interfere with the normal hypothalamic pituitary function um, and cause a lot of issues as well. And then, of course, I, I think it's also also worth considering evaluation and treatment for something called progesterone resistance. Um, basically, what happens is your your cells become more resistant to the effects of progesterone, um, but it can be treated by flooding those um, by flooding those receptors with more progesterone. So you can read more about all this stuff here. I have a lot of information that you can look at, but the whole the whole goal here is to balance those hormones to optimize the amount of hair that you have. It's not taking some medication or anything like that, although we will talk about that in a minute. Um, so doing these steps alone, along with the five questions I asked you previously, will go a long way to improving uh, your hair. Now, there's another really, really important thing that we need to talk about. And that is optimizing uh, base nutrients in your body that are that play an important role in the hair the hair cycle. The most important of these, I think, would be ferritin, which is a marker of iron in your body. So we know that. Um, women who have female pattern hair loss have ferritins which are on average lower than women who would be considered normal healthy controls. Now I also told you previously that PC women with PCOS have a higher risk of developing female pattern hair loss. So you sort of have this, this uh, important connection between ferritin, PCOS, and then the female pattern hair loss. Now ferritin is interesting in that it it's a surrogate marker for iron stores in the body. Um, it's very effective uh, for diagnosing this condition at low levels, but it's very possible to have low ferritin um, as as a nutrient, or just having low ferritin, um, but having normal iron and not having anemia. So you have to differentiate between the two conditions. So it. Because of this, it's best for you to look at the ferritin level, obviously check the iron and look at these other factors, but treat ferritin if it's lower, um, if it, even if it's low normal, with the goal of getting it to a, at least the 60 to 70 microgram per liter range. So I talk about, I, I show you links that, that um, discuss here the importance of having it at that level because that's what's probably best for hair growth. Um, there's, there are several studies that show that. Um, it doesn't mean that, that that will necessarily be all you need to regrow your hair, um, but it does mean that in terms of you know checking things off and making sure nutrients are in order, this is one of those things that you want to have. Now, I will tell you also that if you are doing everything else right and you have low ferritin, that's going to be one thing that really will hold you back. It will, it will make it so even these other therapies that you're doing are not as effective as they could be. So again, ferritin is a huge one. Um, I have links that talk about exactly how to test for it, how to be treated for it, um, how to use iron uh, safely and effectively, and so on and so forth. So just make sure you look at those. Um, there are more 
nutrients than just iron as well though so there's specifically some nutrients and trace minerals which play an important role in the hair regrowth cycle um, and so I, I, I make mention of these here so zinc selenium biotin choline silicon these all play uh, important roles in hair regulation so make sure uh, I usually think these are contained in most um, hair skin and nail vitamins um, it doesn't hurt to take these for a couple months just to replete those stores because um, it can be difficult to test for some of these but generally what I'll say is replete the the ferritin make sure the iron is in order grab uh, make sure all of those other supplements are um, in order as well these nutrients um, while you're working on everything else because that that will give you the that will give you the biggest bang for the buck um, you can see my preferred uh, hair skin and nails vitamin here um, if you want you can go over there so the next step is the potential use of certain medications now medications have they definitely have their place in being used to treat hair loss, um, but I don't think you should rely heavily on them. And, and here's why, because generally when you use a medication, whatever benefit you obtain, that benefit is going to be lost once you stop using the medication. So in that way, it's not very, it's, it's not a very permanent solution. However, it can be used for in, in an example such as this. And this is why I think it definitely is worth mentioning here. So let's say you are somebody that has a considerable considerable amount of hair loss. You're shedding a lot. Your hair's you know you're losing a lot of hair, and this hair loss is causing considerable anxiety um, or social distress. So you you don't want to leave the house. You know you may be depressed. You're anxious about how you look. All of these things. And this is you know this this does happen. Um, what you can do is you in that situation if you fit that cat if you fit this sort of uh, mold that i've described it may be beneficial to start using a medication just so that you at least stop the ha continued hair loss now you can use this sort of temporarily while you do all the other things that we discussed as well above um, which are more long-term solutions right because the solutions above that we discussed they're going after the root cause the whole point of that is to reverse the hormone imbalances make sure everything gets back in order and then that should deal with a lot of the symptoms um, so that's sort of the way that I think about it now one of the thing one of the medications that I think can be effective is minoxidil um, which is FDA approved for the treatment of hair loss in both men and women so you can learn more about how to use minoxidil here uh, I just wanted to bring it up um, it's available over the counter places like Costco and I think even Amazon and so on um, and but it does have its place so don't just completely disregard it because it's a medication again it's not a long-term solution but it is something that you should be aware of so that's pretty much it um, I would say I would say some of the more difficult patients to treat who have hair loss also tend to be those women with PCOS um, I do want to say here that I think there is a there's a subgroup of women who have PCOS and hair loss um, who also probably have some underlying genetic component, which makes regrowing hair very, very difficult. Now, I would say as, if you do all these therapies, there's a high chance that you'll see some improvement. But there are some women, I would say uh, maybe 5 to 10%, maybe a little less, maybe less than 10%, but somewhere between 5 and 10% of women that I, I've had a very difficult time trying to get all their hair back to the way that it was previously. So just realize that there some of you out there might have these sort of genetic underlying issues, um, which we don't really quite understand how to treat at this point. But taking this approach of balancing the hormones, repleting the nutrients, and then potentially using some medications um, is probably one of the most effective strategies that you can utilize to get back the hair that you had previously. So um, anyway, that's pretty much it. If you guys have uh, any questions about this, I know this was a a long video um, there's a lot of information presented but if you have any questions about this uh, let me know 
leave your comments below, um, and I'll do my best to get back to you guys. But that's pretty much it. Thanks.